HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day on the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen and sakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Noriko Okubo, who is the co-owner and chief operating officer of Ginza Nishikawa USA. Ginza Nishikawa opened in 2018 in Ginza, one of the poshest areas in Tokyo, to sell high-quality shokpan bread. And shokpan is also called milk bread and is gaining popularity worldwide for its distinctively soft and fluffy texture with a pleasantly sweet taste. And Ginza Nishikawa's shokpan bread earned accolades very quickly, and now it operates over 130 shops throughout Japan. And the huge success spread to the U.S., and the bakery opened its first overseas location in L.A. in July 2022, which Noriko co-owns and manages. So today we'll discuss why, what shokpan is, why shokpan has become so popular in Japan and increasingly overseas, the secrets of Ginza Nishikawa's shokpan that sells out within a few hours, it is baked in LA, and much, much more. But before you start, Japan Eats is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. And I have a quick announcement. I am thrilled to let you know that Japanese has been nominated for Viewer's Choice for Best Food or Drink Podcast, Viewer's Choice for Best City or Regional Program, and Viewer's Choice for Best Single Topic Series at the 14th Annual Taste Awards. So what is Taste Awards? The Taste Awards is often considered the Oscars of food, and I'm honored to be among the critical nominees and immensely grateful to you, our listeners. 
and I am asking for your help. So please take a moment to vote for Japan Eats in these three viewers' choice categories. Again, it's best food or drink podcast, best city or regional program, and best single topic series. And every vote counts, and you can cast your vote until February the 17th. And in order to vote, please go to thetastehours.com, just one word, thetastehours.com, and click on the red box, submit your viewer's choice votes. And thank you so much for your support. And again, thank you for listening to Japanese. Now, let's start a conversation with Noriko Okuba. So, hello, Noriko. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Akiko-san. Thank you for having me. So, I'm very excited. So, now, today you are in LA. And you must be jet-lagged because you just flew in to join us. But I'm very, very genki. Um, I'm very you know, I have a lot of energy right now, but probably in a couple hours, I will crash. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You can have a cup of coffee with amazing bread. So <laughs> that's solve. Um, okay. So to get to know you, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Wow. Um, so I was actually born in Tokyo. And when I was three, uh, my father's business took us pretty much all over the world, but mostly North America and Europe. So, um, yeah, basically grew up in the quote-unquote Western world. Um, but at home, we always ate Japanese. So pretty much rice, miso soup, uh, fish, um, it, natto, very, very Japanese. Um, mm. And I would be, have to bring uh, lunch from home, uh, which was onigiri and with seaweed and kids at school would 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 mm. make fun of me, which I hear doesn't really happen anymore <laughs> these days, right? It's kind of a cool thing to bring mm. a Japanese home packed um, lunch, but that's that's what I grew up with. Right. Oh, that's very cool. And I admire your parents try to um, maintain the Japanese diet, and I think it's important for cultural education for little kids, right? Yeah, I guess I don't think they really had a choice. They didn't my mom didn't really know how to cook anything else other than Japanese. So <laughs> they like to boast that that yeah, it was probably for my education, but I, I do think that they didn't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> mm, okay. And now uh, you are co-owner and chief operating officer of Ginza Nishikawa USA. And um, so how did you get involved in the business? So uh, my business partner, Hiroko Fujikawa, who owns a business here in the beauty beauty industry, um, she and I were talking, we, we'd always dreamt of bringing some sort of food item to the U.S. And uh, it happens to be that her, her mother had, had developed a strong liking for Ginza Nishikawa bread and had suggested that you know, we try it. Um, I tried it immediately and um, fell in love with it. And because I had grown up in the U.S. and I knew what white bread was like uh, over here, uh, it was nothing like that. Um, I, th I saw a business opportunity. I, I thought I would love to bring this uh, to this market. And, and that's sort of how it, it all began. Mm, interesting. So, um, your partner's mother, <laughs> so her, she was an inspiration. That's interesting. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, and, and you mentioned in, in the introduction that this was 
I would say like mid to early, early mid 2019. So soon after Ginza Nishikawa opened in 2018, and we kind of saw a slow boom in this idea of kokyu shokban, which is, I guess, literally means expensive or luxurious bread. And, um, you know, this was something kind of like a, a phenomenon, cultural phenomenon. And um, I myself was really surprised at the quality of the bread, the price of the bread, uh, but also that, you know, consumers seem to be really embracing it um, mm-hmm. in Japan. And and you're also very familiar with the fact that bread, the quality of bread in Japan is generally very high. You know, I think a lot of um, French people would attest that some of the best baguettes come out of Tokyo as well. So um, I think, uh, yeah, in terms of, bringing bread over here, I didn't think it would be too difficult just because the level of uh, the technique and the level of baking is is is, is at a very premium level in, in Japan to begin mm. with. Yeah, 100%. Because when we think of going to Japan, like from the States or outside of Japan, mm. we think of Japanese cuisine and very like kaiseki or sushi. But once you get to, you know, anywhere in the city, like from convenience stores to like the really Western style bakeries, they have developed something very, very Western, but very uniquely Japanese. So yeah, that's one thing that I think everybody who visits Japan should discover. And I totally agree what you're saying. Um, So um, yeah, so uh, we're going to get into that, you know, the boom of Kokyu Shokpan, that's expensive Mm -hmm. um, bread in a moment. But um, let's talk about the definition of this Japanese bread called the shokpan. What is shokpan? I mean, it is, it's, you know, some people call it milk bread here. They call it pandemi. Uh, they call it white sliced bread, uh, wonder bread. Um, it There really isn't, it, it really, I don't know, it really is literally shoku means to eat, right? And pan is bread. So, um but it is the most available, the, probably the most consumed type of bread that Japanese people eat at home. Um, traditionally toasted with butter, uh, melted butter on top. But yeah, that's what I would call uh, shokban. And I purposefully decided not to call this milk bread when I was promoting it here. I I, I, I do insist on people calling it shokpan um, and hope that it becomes like another word, word like umami or karaoke that, you know, Westerners have embraced as, as a concept, although it's in Japanese. Mm, right. I, I don't think you can translate even unless you Isn't eat it. it? <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, so that's something like you can't like. What is lemon? Lemon is lemon, as <laughs> original as Japanese shokpan. It's just as something else, and um, yeah, when you just get exposed to something like very European style crunchy bread or uh, wonder bread, it's just different. It's it's the the completely different, um, you know. Yeah, a idea. lot of people exactly, and a lot of people 
especially in, on the West Coast, I think, initially said, well, you know, if it's white bread, it's not going to be, it doesn't feel healthy. It, you know, it's, it has a very bad reputation uh, here in, in, in the United States. So a lot of people did tell me initially that it might not work, um, but, uh, but we're doing okay right now. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's far beyond okay. <laughs> Well, we're going to dig into what you you actually bring here in the States. But uh, I think, you know, if visitors to Japan go to Japanese-style coffee shop, that's another unique concept of Japanese kisaten. Uh, One of the popular menu items, that's the fluffy shokpan toasted and the butter and it's heavenly. So uh, it's not just eaten like every day. you know, morning breakfast item is a part of the culture too. It really is. And, you know, I mentioned that I, I grew up eating rice and miso soup, uh, especially for breakfast, but um, more and more Japanese are eating bread for breakfast. I think if you look it up, it, sometime in 2010, 2011, uh, the amount of consumption of bread uh overtook rice in, in the household, the annual, you know, consumption at mm. home. So um, that just shows you how, how Japanese people love their bread, you know? So it's, it's, it's really, um, it's a competitive market for sure. Mm. And Akiko-san, if you come back to Japan, you will see a lot of these uh, kokyu shokpan uh, you know, stores that specialize in, 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 in shokupan only. And it's, it's a very saturated market now, I must say, in the last two, three years, especially with the pandemic going on and people eating at home a lot. Mm, right. Well, and I'm sure the quality uh, are very high. So each place boasts some kind of special ingredients or style of baking or something. So, yes. yeah. So I think uh, uh, our listeners can now more widely travel to Japan. I hope um you know, listeners, you can discover Japanese shokpan in one of those popular places. So, yeah, so, so what is the difference exactly between shokpan and other types of bread, like wonder bread? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I, you know, obviously I'm not a expert in bread, so it's hard for me to get, get too technical about it. But I can tell you that with our bread, uh, it's really all in the water, we like to say, and we used alkaline ionized water. Um, perhaps in your, uh, you know, in your work as well, you, you've heard of very uh, high-end kaiseki chefs who, who use alkaline water. In their, in their cooking, just because it's known to really bring out the flavor of, of food. And, um, and this was what was really important for Ginza Nishikawa, to use the water to bring out the taste, of, of the umami, if you will, the flavor of, of the bread to, 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 to the fullest. Um, mm. This is something that other companies have not done. Traditionally, alkaline water uh, it has been known to uh, not be good in terms of activating the yeast or, you know, making the bread rise. But uh, they have discovered a way to to deal to to work around that and and to make the the bread really really tasty, especially after the second day. 
the, mm. the taste really settles in. So um, often you'll see people who want the bread like right away, right out of fresh out of the oven. But we we like to tell people that it's actually better on the second day because the flavor really seeps in. Interesting. Yeah, like you, uh, like you said, uh, like kaiseki cuisine or soba noodles or Japanese sake, they tend to use alkaline, um, ionized, ionized alkaline water because it just uh, take, brings out the t- um, kind of flavor more deeply out of the ingredients. So, yeah, that's amazing. Um, okay, so, and also I think the characteristics is like extremely pillowy uh, fluffiness. And also, I think, slight sweetness, right? That's very Japanese, shokpan. Yes, yes. I think that's, if, if anything, the, the, that the consumer will notice uh, straight off the bat, uh, you know, how it's different from uh, Wonder Bread is, is definitely the sweetness um, and the fluffiness. And even though it's fluffy, it feels like there is a lot of, of depth there. Um, first day, it's fluffy. Second day, like I said, the taste really seeps through and gets deeper. Um, and the third day, we recommend you uh, toast it um, and enjoy the crispiness on the outside, but the inside becomes really what we call mochi mochi. You know, I, I don't know how to say that in English. <laughs> you must know. But mm. yeah, like like mochi. I think people are quite familiar with mochi, right? So it's 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 a little bit dense. It's kind of sticky, chewy, maybe is mm. is cl- as close as I can get to to sort of explaining what the mochi mochi uh, feels like in, in the mouth. But um, right. Yeah. yeah, it's like a more bouncy. It doesn't stick to your teeth, yeah. but uh, it's kind of bouncy, kind of. Yeah, it's it's that, but you have to eat it <laughs> to actually feel it. <laughs> exactly. This is very helpful. <laughs> you gotta right. eat it. <laughs> right. Okay, and uh, so uh, let's go back to the, you know, that shokpan boom, the high, like a premium shokpan boom. So shokpan used to be uh, reasonably priced everyday food in Japan, but some shokpan became fancier and fancier in recent years. And the regular supermarket shokpan is available at around two dollars or so, but those fancy shokpans can be around ten and upwards. So, could you tell us when and why the trends of fancy shokpan started? Yeah, I think as far as I know, in about in about ten years ago. 2013, maybe, 7-Eleven, one of the biggest uh, convenience stores, came out with a, a loaf that was double the price of what was normal uh, shokpan loaf. And that really, I think, instigated a trend to come up with a better version, a more luxurious version, a more expensive version of shokpan. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's bread. So even if it's double the price you just you you do feel like it's it's a little bit of luxury that you experience at home so i think that's what sort of yeah kicked things into gear and then we saw companies like uh, a company called nogami we come a company called center to bake the bakery they they came out with uh loaves that were anywhere from 800 900 yen to a thousand yen which which was a big you know surprise to to consumers, but it was good in that, like I said, it felt like a luxury at home. But as you know, Japan has a very big gift giving culture, and people saw this as a cheaper way to give something really nice to someone because it comes in a really nice 
beautiful bag. And if you were to visit someone's home, instead of bringing flowers or cookies or chocolates, which are quite, you know, have become the norm, uh, bringing bread is a very functional, reasonable uh, gift that is, is welcomed. And I think that really uh, spurred, spurred um, the growth of, of this, uh, this sector. Mm, that's a great point. So Japan is such a gift culture. And uh, I think if you go to Japanese supermarket, um, the Jap- the department stores, um, famous Depachika basement, I would say, I don't know, maybe 50% of items are um, produced or sold for souvenirs. So yes. yeah, beautiful packaging and you feel like buying to yourself as a little luxury um you know, present to yourself, or of course you want, you think of other people to bring it. Even if you didn't have any plan, you end up buying something. <laughs> to, exactly. Right, yes. Yeah. And give. you know, you, you buy for yourself, like you said, or for your friends. And you, you, we do find a lot of customers who buy more than one loaf, you know, something, sometimes five to 10 loaves because they just want to pass it out to all of their neighbors and friends. And yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a more affordable uh, gift uh, than than buying a box of chocolates, which could be double or triple that price. Mm, right, and also um, the gift to yourself. They call Japanese people call it puchizetaku, like mini luxury. <laughs> so yeah, you don't have to travel or go somewhere else, but you can just gift yourself without dining out expensive dishes. You can have nice, relaxing. Um, you know, fancy breakfast by yourself. So yeah, that's, that's a really great concept. And I, I wonder, you know, why bread became so popular. Now I understand shokpan is perfect. And I think the interesting thing is that we only deal with one type of bread. You know, we don't have a variety of different types of bread like a traditional bakery would have. It's just this one, one loaf. Um, and, you know, the idea is that you do, and, and, and craftsmanship in Japan is, is also uh, along the same lines. It's like you do some, you do, you make one product, but you do it really, really well. Mm, right. Well, that's the kind of like Japanese specialized mindset, right? If you go to sushi uh, restaurant, they only do sushi. And if you go to tempura restaurant, they only serve tempuras kind of <laughs> specialization. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. what it is. Right, in pursuit of perfection. That's what I would call it. <laughs> Very Japanese. <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, we'll take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll dive into the secrets of Ginza Nishika's shokpan, which sells out within a few hours after it's baked. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American, and that is why they are located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view the exquisitely designed tableware and the wireless natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services, from repair and rust removal 
to reshaping and realigning. Cohen is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Cohen.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs on HRN Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Aki Kotayama, and my guest today is Noriko Okubo, who is the co-owner and chief operating officer of the Ginza Nishikawa USA, the super popular Japanese shotgun bread company. So what is the history of Ginza Nishikawa and who is the founder? Yeah, so um, back in 2018, September 13th, that was when uh, the first store in Ginza uh, opened, uh, and they actually sold out 1,000 loaves in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so there were there were there was a big line. I think people were lined up from 4 a.m. Uh, although it was an 11 a.m. opening. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the goal was to open. 100 stores in three years, and they achieved that within two years and seven months. So just extreme growth, extreme popularity. Um, the owner is a um, is a gentleman by the name of Hitoshi Takahashi, and he has a very vast, uh, a long background in, in the food industry. He owns another uh, chain uh, bakery in Mie Prefecture. And yeah, it was his sort of brainchild, I guess I would say. And uh, the success, I would say, of Ginza Nishikawa is its branding. Uh, Ginza, it has a very, the name Ginza, because of the name of the location, has a very high class feel to it. Uh, being situated in Ginza also feels like they have a very long tradition, um, when in fact they only opened in 2018. Um, <laughs> Right. And so it, it and and kind of the overall look and feel of our brand as well is is very Japanese, neo-Japanese, I would say. So um I think that also has a really has something to do with the uh the success of the brand. Mm, right. Well, and the listeners who've never been to Ginza, Ginza, actually, that's my uh, favorite place and my parents <laughs> used to date in Ginza too. So it's really now, especially, uh, it's a mixture of modern, the most, um, you know, high brand buildings and as well as like, you know, there's the 100 year old old restaurant around the corner. It's just such a beautiful, um, balanced area. It's just a specific um ambience and then on the weekends uh, there's no card so that you can appreciate the whole history and um, newness and the tradition so yeah so um you know the, another bread company is kimuraya that's the kind of og that's of right. japanese bread uh, ampan like the you know red azuki bean stuffed bread which became part of big part of the japanese food culture too so that's there and then you know, now it's Ginza Nishikawa. So it's a, such a beautiful food town as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, just being, uh, just having that Ginza name and being located there, the original store, it's still there. And, you know, a lot of bread is is, is uh, made there. Um, it gives a feeling of being a shinise, kind of like the traditional historic 
uh, legendary store um, mm. when in fact it really isn't. <laughs> you know, it's quite new um, and it's spread. So it's not a traditionally Japanese type of food, food group. But um, mm. yeah. Right. Well, but I think uh, I was looking at uh, your website, uh, Japanese website. It looks very authentic. So it's yes. not just a, a, you know, very uh, kind of ostentatious thing. It's actually you preserve the tradition, the mindset of focus on one thing and the ultimate quality of it. So, yeah, I really, really congratulate on the success of Ginza Nishikawa. <laughs> So uh, you mentioned uh, the, why Ginza Nishikawa spread is so special. That's that, you know, the ionized alkaline water used to really um, elevate the depth of the taste of the bread. And also, I, I think you have uh, ingredients that's really well selected, like honey and cream and butter. So maybe you want to talk about that? Yeah, we actually source all the dairy, uh, everything pretty much here locally. Uh, but what really makes it special is the flour, I think. Um, so you could probably, you know, utilize the same ingredients and using flour here, but it would probably not be the same. We import all of our flour that's milled in Japan. Um, apparently the milling technique is quite different from uh, what's done over here. And this is why we insist that we import the flour. Uh, some of the flours is, is sourced from Japan, but most of it is actually Canadian flour, which is uh, what, what I know is that in the industry, it, it has a very high, uh, a very high, high reputation. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's what really makes the difference. It is, it is in the flour, it is in the water. Um, that's what makes it different and mm. special. And I would imagine uh, the flour is really f um, milled very finely than here because of that <laughs> kind of silky texture has to be coming out of the fine milling. So Exactly. And yeah, and I think people here are not that concerned about the, the fineness of, of, of the flour, which is why we can't seem to find source of flour over here. Right. And uh, your bread is uh, preservative-free as well, I heard. Yes, absolutely. Right. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, and then, so in 2022, Ginza Nishka first overseas outlet opened in LA, which you are in charge of. So what is the concept of the LA shop? Is this the same as the shops in Japan? So what happened was because we were looking for a location in 2019, we had we had found a location in, in, a, in an area called Silver Lake here, and we were slated to open that year in 2020. Then the pandemic started. I couldn't even come here anymore. Um, it just became clearer and clearer that it was it was not going to be it was going to be very tricky to start a business here during the pandemic. Um, and we put uh, our plans on hold. But then we also realized that people were uh, getting things delivered more at home or people were doing pickups. And so we sort of shifted our mindset into finding a location where it wouldn't, there wouldn't necessarily be a storefront for us like in Japan, but somewhere where we could actually make the bread and, and have people taste it and buy it without the in-store experience. Um, 
And so we found a kitchen like that, a ghost kitchen is what I guess people refer to it. Um, so when you come to LA, we, there won't be a storefront, but you'll, there will be a location where you can come up and well, uh, you, can, you can do a pickup or you can do a order in advance. Eventually, I would like to have a full-on flagship store. Um, but for now, just because I'm noticing that uh, it's it obviously less costly to, to just do this um, as a kitchen rather than a full store concept, um, I think we, we want to continue this uh, route for a while before we actually... Mm-hmm come up with a store because really with one item uh, that we're selling, there really isn't a huge in-store experience and people would rather just, you know, have it delivered or, or just pick it up and, um, and go. So mm. I think it's going to, yeah, well, we're going to, we're going to see how things go with the way that we have it structured, um, but always open to, to having, to eventually opening a flagship. Mm, right. Well, I think uh, unexpectedly you have a very strategic, uh, solid uh, opening. So um, that's great. And uh, but I heard that uh, your bread sells up very quickly. So and uh, you have only one type, but it's just a beautiful. I'm looking at now your website in LA. It's just <laughs> beautiful. Um, so uh, is how much is a loaf now? Right now per loaf. So it's. $18 per loaf. Mm, okay. Not bad because I, I know other types of bread that could be equally for the high quality and no preservative. So, and then uh, who buys the your bread? Do you have any customer demographics? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of, for now, definitely the foodies. You know, the, the, the people who have actually traveled to Asia, traveled to Japan, you know, had katsu sandos or steak sandos who are familiar with, with the quality of bread. We find um, our, our main customers, uh, obviously the Japanese community, the Asian community here also love it. Um, but I think because Japanese food itself has such a... Uh, good reputation now. Um, I think we really wanted to push that Japanese angle, you know, and, and, <laughs> and exploit that and say, this is Japanese bread. And uh, we found that a lot of people are just so intrigued at that because they, they don't associate, most people who haven't traveled to Japan don't associate Japanese food with Japanese bread, right? It's, it's, it's usually sushi, it's tempura, it's, um, it's usually sushi in California. So mm. I think, yeah, I think that sort of disconnect, the, the, it's, it's kind of a surprise for people still. So we need to do a lot more PR to, to get into the minds of people who, who, who don't necessarily have that exposure. But yeah, the demographic is definitely the Asian community here and the foodies. Mm, right. Do you know how they eat uh, your bread? It's like, uh, as you suggest, uh, as without toasting day one and day two, and also day yeah. three, day toast. Or what's there? Do yeah. if you have any yeah. idea? Um, Akiko-san, when I send you a, a loaf, you will note that um, in in the box or in the bag, we've created a little 
yeah, postcard that gives you directions to how to eat the bread. And I find it quite ridiculous that, you know, I have to write directions to eat the bread, but um, people are quite loyal about it. And, and they do follow uh, the, the fact that we, we, we recommend you sort of rip through the bread first and just stuff it in your face to enjoy the fluffiness and the texture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then day two or day three, really just slicing it up and toasting it and making your favorite open face sandwich or French toast or grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, there's just a myriad of ways to to eat bread, right? And and in Japan, the, our promotional uh, message is actually bread goes with, bread is like rice, so it goes with everything. So we uh, promote kimpira gobo, kimpira, to sandwich that between uh, the, 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 the loaf, is, uh, the, the bread slices as well. Um, so interesting. One, yeah, one of the inter- the fun things about promoting is this bread is is the ways that people come up with on how to consume it. Mm. And if you go to our Instagram page, we do have a lot of ideas for people. Okay, right. Um, well, but I think we should just um, put the nose in the bread first and just really <laughs> enjoy the smell and the texture, exactly. right? <laughs> I, well, right. thank you. I can't wait to taste that. So <laughs> I look forward to it. So, yeah, speaking of, um, so um, how many loaves of shokan do you produce in LA right now? And because I just heard you started to deliver nationwide. So uh, there are two things, right? You can order, but you can go purchase without yes. ordering, right? So h- how many do you have available for someone who just go get at your store? We we are we are currently running at around 250 to 400 loaves a day. Um, but we want to increase that production. Uh, but yeah, I would say on average about 250 loaves a day. And mm, sounds very competitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it does go fast, um, but we are trying to keep up with the demand. Um, but we do have sort of we we do have to put caps on the online ordering and and the and the walk uh, the walk ins as well. Mm, right, and uh, and also you just started actually um, the Goldberry Goldberry delivery service. Yes. Of yes. Right. How can we yes. order? <laughs> so folks in New York, in your neck of the woods, can go to Gold Belly online and uh, and search for Ginza Nishikawa, and you will be able to order um, to for overnight delivery. Oh, wow. And like I said before, we do recommend the second day. So it kind of arrives in the in the best sort of timing for you. Um, it won't be fresh out of the oven for sure. But we are we're quite confident that um, people can really enjoy uh, the bread. Uh, yeah, the, the next day when it arrives, mm, it's like a chocolate brownie tastes better on the second day. Exactly. Or curry rice, right? right. <laughs> curry rice, curry. <laughs> it's better on the second day. Right. Well, I think in terms of curry rice, we just keep cooking, cooking, and like day seven is the best. Somebody told me. So, really, day seven. Yeah. So, that. so that person intentionally make really, really uh, carrying a big pot, and then you know, to keep it heating, you're heating, and then it gets 
the best and he, he's a chef so I, I believe in <laughs> yeah right. no 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 that's not, that makes sense you just have to make it way in advance if you're going to have guests on a certain right. day for her. <laughs> right <laughs> so and also so you have um you organize pop-up events too right so what kind of events are they I mean, when, when we say events, it's not necessarily anything, you know, we don't have entertainment or things like this, but mm. we found, especially in California, that because it's so spread out, uh, every, every, everything is so far off and people um, in Santa Monica don't want to go, you know, 10, 12 miles up to Hollywood or, or downtown LA. So it's just, it's just really spread out. So we found... Uh, partners that would will sell our bread for you know once a week or once every two weeks um, and and just make it available for people in those areas to buy fresh. So um, right now we are running a pop up in Costa Mesa, which is in Orange County, which is about like two hours from here, um, and we have one in Glendale. Uh, or Torrance, uh, and we're looking into Pasadena. We'll have one in West Hollywood soon. So we're just trying to make it easier for people because, um, especially in LA, people don't like to drive long distances because of the traffic. The traffic is so bad here. Um, so we're, we're trying to make it easier for people who don't necessarily live to two kilometers or three, uh, two or three miles away from us. Um, mm, and, that's yeah. the famous LA situation. So, right. Right. Okay. So you, sounds like you've been really creating uh, the fan base. So, um, so what are your plans and dreams in 2023 and beyond? Yeah, I think we definitely want to open up in the areas that I just mentioned, because we do feel like, the, especially when we do the pop-ups, they they definitely sell out in minutes. And so we do find that um, there could be a uh, demand for, for us in those locations. <clears throat> I'd like to open in on the East Coast as well, um, as well as in the Bay Area, San Francisco, uh, just areas where I believe there is kind of a a very high culinary uh, interest, interest in Japanese things, um, and a, a dense Asian population or, or a population that appreciates Asian food. Uh, that's the goal. Mm. We might not make it 130 stores in three years, but um, definitely want to grow for sure. Mm. Well, I could see a lot of New Yorkers just go crazy about this kind of bread. Right. And they, they like queuing up, too, for something very special and delicious. So, right, that would work. Um, okay, so where can we find your updates online and on social media? So if you go to uh, Ginza Nishikawa USA, <clears throat> that's our U.S. Uh, Instagram. We have a Facebook uh, page as well uh, with the same, uh, if you... If you search Ginza Nishikawa USA, that'll come up. Uh, those Instagram is probably the best. We've just started a TikTok channel as well. Um, but I do recommend for people, uh, if they want to know about the pop-ups, the newest, uh, we would definitely, you would definitely go to, to, to Instagram. Um, and of course, we have our homepage as well, which is also Ginza Nishikawa USA.com. Mm, awesome. 
Great. So, uh, well, sounds like it's going to be a busy year for you. So good luck. <laughs> thank you so much, Akiko-san. All right. So thank you for joining us today in Rico. And uh, please keep me posted. Maybe you can join us again. I will. Thank you. All right, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japaneeds at heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Japaneeds is a weekly program and is always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Amin Spenjan, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Bunyates is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.